Hey, fellow Mathers, before we get into this episode, we want to share with you how you can get access to free content, professional learning that will keep your students engaged and doing the math that matters. Get ready to go to this link, mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. That's right. Registration is open for the free Math is Figure Outable challenge that's starting May 15th and runs to the 17th at 7 p.m. Central. We're going to have three nights jam-packed with learning and routines that you can take straight to your classroom. In these challenges, we have a great time. We do some math, talk about classroom experiences, give away super cool bonuses and prizes. You won't just walk away with routines that are naturally engaging and encourage your students to think mathematically. You'll also have a chance to win over 6 k worth in prizes, including a few virtual PD sessions for your school. I'll be joined by my wonderful co-host, Kim, and special guest, Jenna Labe. You can register at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge for a fantastic learning experience. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Now on to the show. Hey, fellow mathematicians. Welcome to the podcast where math is figureoutable. I'm Pam. And I'm Kim. And you found a place where math is not about memorizing. Whoops. Yeah, it is. Wait. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) I'm like, not about memorizing. I'm like, wait, do I mean that? What do I mean? Okay. It's not. I was thinking about the fact that you were laughing right before we started. I know. I'm sorry. And you said, and I'm Kim, I'm like, oh, that was really super serious. Okay. And and you found a place where math is... I, I don't even know anymore. It's and not you, about memorizing. It's not about memorizing and mimicking, waiting to be told or shown what to do, but it's about making sense of problems, noticing patterns, and reasoning using mathematical relationships. That's what it is. Yes, we can mentor mathematicians as... No! <laughs> this is not the one I want. I'm just going to skip that line. Not only are algorithms not particularly helpful in teaching mathematics, but rotely repeating steps actually keep students from being the mathematicians they can be. (laughs) All right, we're keeping this one because I want you to know we re-record that intro every time. And we've tweaked it lately and I forgot and didn't have the correct one in here. (laughs) And we were laughing right before we started and I was having a hard time hanging on to it. And y'all, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Kim, let's just kick this one off. What are we talking (laughs) about? All right. (laughs) So we absolutely love hearing from listeners about what they're interested in, right? That's it's super fun for us to hear. Yeah, and, and tell us if you like it when we totally mess up the intro too. Like <laughs> you could let us know that. <laughs> we want to know what you want to hear us chat about. So not too long ago, I asked people in the Math is Figure Outable teacher Facebook group. It's a Facebook group that we have that uh, lots of people are in. You should join it. Um, and we asked what they were thinking about and we got some really amazing responses. Yeah. Thanks and, for everybody. We appreciate yeah. that. We can't chat about everything uh, all at once, but for the next several weeks, we thought we would answer some of the questions that people in the group requested. So let's start with Sarah. Is it Gorecki? I'm hoping. Oh, wait. Another Sarah Gorecki Westrick um, in the Mathis Variable Teacher Group said, talk about questioning techniques for focusing rather than funneling. Well, Sarah, thanks for listening to the podcast and or reading um, the NCTM. Oh, now I can't remember the name of it. Um, it's the one where it has the, the essential teaching practices in it. It'll come to me in a minute. Uh, because uh, bo- in both of those places, in our podcast and in that book, we talk about patterns of questioning. 
And there's two two patterns of questioning that the that we can that we that we can focus on. One of them is a focusing pattern of questioning, and one of them is a funneling pattern of questioning. Yeah. And we mentioned it um, once before in an episode, uh, but we thought we'd dive in a little bit today and do more with that. Like let's let's because Sarah asked, let's talk a little bit more about these patterns of questioning. And so I just want to start by saying it's not about a focusing question or a funneling question. It's mm-hmm. about a pattern of questioning. Right. So a question could appear in a focusing pattern of questioning. And it, that same exact question could appear in a funneling pattern of questioning because it's the pattern. It's, it's what's happening in the whole interaction. That's either more helping students focus on the relationships in the math and what they know and how they could use them to solve problems. Or it's more of a funnel that you are kind of like, helping the kids sort of funnel down the drain of the, of, of like a sequence of, of steps or things to do. And they end up at the end of the funnel with the answer. But if you remove the funnel, then the kids got nothing. What, 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 right. what wasn't happening is the student was using their own reasoning. They were using your reasoning, your funnel. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And so we're, and so Sarah's great. Like let's parse that out maybe a little bit more. So Kim, I said to you, hey, when we do this episode, I think it'd be really cool if we like do some kind of like role-playing scenario kinds of yeah. things. Yes. And you push back on that. Can you say <laughs> more about that? Yeah. So it's really difficult. We're going to be in some like imagined situations, right? And and like you just said, a particular question could fit into a funneling situation or a focusing situation. So, you know, we're we're kind of imagining a situation and we don't know exactly what a kid would say. And so, so much of it depends on, on what a kid says and how you respond. Mm. Um, so yeah, well, I mean, we'll, we we'll talk about, we, we talk about our mantra, know your content, know your kids. Right. Yeah. yeah. So if I know the content, I, I kind of have the, the big ideas, model strategies. I have this real sense of what's next and what, what comes before and, and all yep. the connections that need to be made and the different ways they're related. And I know the kid because I'm talking to them and I'm hearing them and I'm asking them questions that help focus on what that student knows, help focus on the relationship that student owns. If I'm thinking about, if I own those two things, I know the content, I know the kid, then, then the pattern, the questions I ask will be hugely dependent on that kid. I have to know the content to know what kind of questions to ask. But then based on how that student responds, based on interactions I've had with them before, the same kind of, I, I, this is what you told me before, the same kind of question that I, I could ask. In fact, could you say more about your kids? Oh, I don't know what I said about them. Remind me. So you said oh, something oh, about- Oh, yeah. So I said, <laughs> sorry. So I may be talking with Luke and I You're might- older. My older, right? And, and pick, pick a kid. It doesn't matter. I might be saying something mm. to one of my kids and I might know- what he knows about a particular situation. And I might throw out a question or two and he might go, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm good. And I might throw out the same question or two to the other kid and they might stare at me kind of blankly so that, so that's not helpful to them. It's not helpful for me to just say the same question one or two. And, and what I was just thinking about was in a funneling pattern this is where you might hear a teacher use the same series or sequence of questions, no matter what kid mm. in their class they're talking to. And I don't know that we've ever mm-hmm. said that. I don't know if we've ever like verbalized that, but 
It might be that you use the same questions all the time over and over again, no matter what, what kid you're talking to, where in a focusing pattern, it should very much depend on the student. Oh, that's so interesting because as you said that, I'm picturing, um, I, I told a little bit of this story before we were videoing in a classroom, it was a high school classroom, and um, this teacher was well-liked, well-respected. I think he was the the senior, um, what do you call it when you're the, like the advisor and helping the kids plan the prom and, and you know, all that yeah. senior kind of stuff. The kids obviously liked him when I... When I got in the classroom, he he walked in a little bit after me, and he uh, they were talking about how he was just had a pickup basketball game with the kids at lunch, and and it was it was super. I was like, oh, I love teachers like this because they really like kids and relate to the the kids relate, you know. And it's just, it was a great relationship. But then I walked in, watched him walk around during class, and he if a, if he walked up to a kid that was stuck, he would go, okay, so what's the this? Yep. Now what's the that? And now what do you do next? And now yep. you need to this. And so he was asking questions, sure. but when he got to the next kid who was stuck, he yep. would say the exact same sequence. What's the, yeah. this, what's the, that, what's the, now, now what's the first step now, you know, now that you've, you've identified the numbers now, what's the next step? What's the next step? That would be a good ping to, mm-hmm. to ask yourself as you are helping students, do you tend to use the same sequence of questions. Yeah. That reminds me, Kim, of times where people have said, Hey, we kind of want a, like a, a, a list of the best questions to ask. Yeah. yeah. And we've said, I mean, that is a helpful, oh, that is a helpful thing. Sorry. I was totally just unplugging my headphones and I was trying to figure out why I was hearing crackling in my, <laughs> <laughs> we're such a mess today. Today's a mess. All right. I'm going to stop playing with the plug of my, of my headphones. Where was I? Oh yeah. People ask, yeah. yeah, They ask for this like list. Well, and, and and you and I have always kind of been a little uncomfortable with that because there are good questions. We can give you a list of decent questions to ask. I think the reason that we get kind of posy and hesitant is it's, you don't ask the same question at the same time to every student. Right. And you don't really, you don't ask the same sequence of questions. That's probably the most important part of it. Yes. That sequence of questions is going to depend on the student. Yeah. Cool. So I could also say there might be a time where you're interacting with a student and they're just kind of being obstinate. Right. Where they're like going to wait you out until you tell them what to do. And in that case, we might as teachers, uh, that, that might be the time where we get the most like, Oh, let me just tell you what to do. You know, like when the kid's like, I don't know, I don't know. Yep. Yep. Just tell me what to do. Um, so, so we also might want to kind of parse out when you're dealing with a kid who's just trying to wait you out until you just use a funneling pattern of questioning. And maybe we can talk about like how Kim, how you could, in fact, Kim, how would you handle that? I mean, so much of it is dependent on the relationship with the student, right? Like that's, that's kind of the first thing is, you know, how do we get to this place where they're so focused on the answer? Have I done something to indicate that I'm focused on the answer? Um, you know, what's, what's their background in mathematics? Um, I mean, it might be, we, the be, it might be the beginning of the year where, sure. where they come to you, they've all kind of had that as their background. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Well, yeah. I, but it could, it could be, you know, it, it, it has happened that it's, you know, it's on me and. So I have to really think about what do I know about the student and, and try to enter into a place where they have access to something, right? I don't, I don't, I think kids, when they're seemingly obstinate, when they're like, I'm just going to say something, 
Most of the time it comes from they're trying to regurgitate something they think you want, or they're kind of checked out a little bit because we haven't accessed what they know. And that's kind of the whole point of questioning to me is let me get to where you are that you know something about this. And instead of like shove you along, let me like dig into a conversation with you and like guide you and partner with you and have a conversation with you so that we can make connections together. Yeah. So know your content, know your kids. You're sort of thinking everything you know about that student and then you're using that to enter into the conversation. Yeah, for sure. Okay. So let's maybe try, we're going to try to kind of not, not really role play, but kind of describe some situations and see if we can kind of parse out what would it look like to have a focusing pattern of questioning? What would it look like to have a funneling pattern of questioning? But we're also going to be super clear listeners that this is hard for us. Because yep. we kind of were, were talking before and, and as I try to do it, I just instinctively start focusing. Like it's hard for yep. me to imagine funneling. <laughs> I almost have to think of what I've seen. Um, so we'll do our best. Kim, you can call me out if you're like, no, 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 you're, you're focusing, not funneling. All right. So let's say that uh, you're, you're sitting down with a second grade student and there's a word problem. Mm-hmm. Could you envision a teacher saying, so students like, you know, the teacher says, hey, you know, I don't know, are you stuck or whatever? The kid says, I need help. Mm-hmm. In some way, the teacher's kind of entering in to, to help the student. Yep. Yep. Could you could you envision a, a teacher saying, okay, yep. so it's a word problem. Yep. Look over <sighs> the post, look at our poster over here. We've got our yep. cubes, our steps, our crap poster on the, on the wall. Mm-hmm. That was a joke intentionally. Um, <laughs> where... Where let's let, okay. What is the first thing you're supposed to do? Yeah, go uh, and then look at the poster, right? And the kid says, "Oh, I'm supposed to find the keywords." Okay, go go underline the keywords. What's the second thing yeah. you're supposed to do? I'm supposed to identify the numbers. And so the teacher is is literally saying, "What's the first thing?" But you know, pointing at trying to with with good intention, trying to get the sure. kids to use the resource that they've already laid out, whatever. And and as I sort of like, what's the next thing? Okay, do it. What's the next thing? Okay, do it. I'm, I would suggest that's a funneling pattern of questioning. Yep. I'm, I'm yep. funneling the kids through this sequence of predetermined steps that someone else has thought about. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's, again, it's with the well-intentioned of if uh, maybe we think if I do that enough with a kid, then they'll do that process on their own. Yes. We would suggest that doesn't typically work very well. Right. So what could it look like to help a student focus on that second grade? problem, word problem. So Kim, you walk up to that second grade kid, what are some things that might happen? Well, so I had to write down some numbers because, you know, also that will depend. So I just wrote second grade, uh, 18 plus 39. So I might sit down next to a student. And and the first thing I'm going to say is, um, have you had a chance to read the problem? Okay, cool. We got that. So I might say, tell me what you're thinking right now. And a, a student might say, they could say, I'm not thinking about anything. But they might say, oh, this is about uh, cars or whatever. Pick a thing. Like, okay. Pokemon. Uh-huh. Yeah, Pokemon. Good. So, um, <laughs> and I might say, what's the problem about? And they might say, oh, well, there's there's like one friend has 18 Pokemon and the other friend has 39 Pokemon. And I might say, oh, that's interesting. What's going to happen with this problem? Like, what 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 do you know? And they're like, well, um, there's two kids and they have Pokemon. They might repeat, right? And I might say, do you think that there's going to be more Pokemon or you think there might be less Pokemon? How do you know? And they might say something about that. And I might say, oh, those are some interesting numbers. Tell me about those numbers. 
Well, it's 18 and 39. Like, oh, those are interesting numbers. I wonder if there's anything near those numbers that might be useful. And the kid might say, well, 18 is like kind of close to 20. Like, oh, interesting. So it's a, it's a, it's a, I'm going to suggest something and I'm going to take what you say back to me. And like, that's going to guide me to the next thing. If they say, I, I don't know anything about what they're near. I'm like, okay. So you've said that you think the number's going to be more when, when we, when it's asking me about how many do they have together? You might say, I think it's going to be more than uh, the two separated, the 18 and the 39. And I might say, tell, tell me why you think so. Well, because I think I'm supposed to add the 18 and 39. And and once they understand what the situation, the problem is, then I can get into like a strategy they might use and, and have a conversation about strategy, right? So the first thing about a word problem is, does it make sense to you? Do you know what, what you're even being asked? And we're, we're visualizing it. We're describing it. We're trying to understand what's happening. You're like diving in. You're diving in like yeah. really what's going on in this problem. Let's be really right. clear what, what what's happening. Uh-huh. Yeah. What the and then all about. I... I can have a conversation about, okay, so you think, you think you're going to add these numbers. Tell me what you know. And so I might say something like, you said that 18 was really close to 20. How can that help you? Well, I think I can, uh, if I, if I add 39, um, then I can add 20. Oh, do you know 39 and 20? Yes or no. Okay. Um, at each of these junctures, you're pausing before, yep. and if they're saying something, you're not asking that next more particular question, right? Right, right. Yeah, I just wanted to, you're, you're, yes. yeah, keep going. Well, I was going to say, it's really a conversation, you know, I, it, it reminds me of when you want to know something about, like somebody's telling a story mm-hmm. and they say something, you're going to ask a deeper question, a more detailed question so that you can really understand it more. And so it's a, it's a back and forth conversation, not a series of questions that I'm asking because I need them to know, okay, now I'm going to ask you the next specified thing and the next specified thing. Whatever they say, I'm thinking about what's the next thing I can ask or, or uh, think about or help them visualize so that then they know whether or not that's helpful to them. Yeah. And maybe I'll say, what's the next thing you can ask to help them focus yeah. on whether that's going to be helpful to them or not. Yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah. You're, yep. you're, you're literally helping them focus, um, by asking a focusing pattern of questioning. Kim, I want to, yeah. I want to highlight two things. I was writing quickly while you were talking. So, uh, a couple of things that I, I want to highlight is that you started, so the kid needs help. You're like, we've established in, in some way the kids raise their hand or you've gone over there, you see their time, whatever the kid needs help. And the very first thing you said was, what are you thinking about? The very first thing you didn't say was, tell me what's happening in the problem or tell me what you're going to do in the problem or um, show your thinking uh, yeah. on the paper or what, what you said was, you gonna do? yeah, what you said was this, this very open, what are you thinking about? Because that might have been enough right there that you wouldn't have asked any of the other questions you just asked. Because yeah. in that moment, they might have said, well, I'm thinking of I'm, the numbers 39, 18 or something, whatever numbers yep. you made up. Yep. I'm thinking about the 39 and the eight. I'm thinking about 39 Pokemon and 18 Pokemon. And um, and I, I was trying to decide if I was going to add 40 to 18 or if I was going to add 20 to 39. Mm-hmm. And then you walk away, right? Like, mm-hmm. it, 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 like so, so what I'm suggesting is, is that very first question, you're gathering information like what are you thinking about in this kind of general way and then you went on to ask more specific questions because you're assuming that when you ask that the kid didn't then 
you know, have a, have, have a great, uh, didn't exhibit a lot of understanding or something of, of what yeah. was happening. So, th- so then you're going to continue this pattern of focusing of helping the student focus on stuff. Well, and, and so sometimes the, if I say, what are you thinking? You know, a very common response might be, I don't know what to do. And so mm. then the next thing I might say is tell me what you do know mm-hmm. so that I'm not assuming knowledge and I'm not like telling them what they should have known. I'm giving them an opportunity to share with me what do they already have under their belt about this particular problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So I want to point out one other thing that you said, if I can read my writing, you said, what do you think, once you got to sort of where you'd kind of identified what was happening, you know, the kids like, yeah, I know what's happening in the problem and, um, and it's these numbers and it's more or less or whatever. Then you said, you said, what do you think about those numbers? I just want to highlight that question because what do you think about those numbers is exactly like that what are you thinking about question that we've established what's happening in the problem and you know that these are the numbers that are important and you know it's going to be more than those and then you just said so what are you thinking about those numbers that's brilliant because again you're helping the student ask themselves what am i thinking about those numbers what does the student know what's pinging for them it's not you forcing something on them it's you helping them focus on what they know well, and, and it could be that a kid might say something like, I know 10 and 30 is 40. And instantly I'm like, oh, you're thinking split by place value. Or they might say, well, 39 is close to 40. And I'm like, oh, you might want to do a little over strategy or it, what, whatever. They, yeah, whatever they yeah. say, I'm like racking my brain for strategies that they might be thinking about that then I can, then I can help think about that strategy out loud with them. Which which doesn't look like you saying okay so then uh, right now you should okay do the over Start, strategy write eighteen now make a jump of forty now go back one good job walk away <laughs> that's not what that, it's not it's, that would be a funneling pattern yeah. right there yeah yep. like okay then do these things instead you're helping them focus on what they know oh so like you're thinking about forty well how does how does how could forty help you with this yeah. thirty nine and eighteen oh okay yeah yeah I love it that was a super good example. Let me give you another example. Let's get a little older. So let's say that a student is finding the volume of a rectangular prism. Yeah. Let's see. A funneling pattern could look like, okay, so it says to, it says you're finding volume. Get out your, um, and I'm, we're in the state of Texas, so they have a formula the sheet. star, yeah. Yeah. And so what? Uh, take out your formula sheet for your high stakes test. Um, find volume. Okay, yeah. so what do you do? What what what? See, now I'm trying to. I'm getting more, <laughs> I'm getting more focusing. Let's see if I can funnel. Um, it, uh, there's the formula. So uh, where's where's what are the uh, numbers? Yeah, I was like, what would it be? Base times height times length or something? Length length width height. So where's where? What is L? What is L? Okay, go find it. What's W? Go 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 find it. What's H? Go go find it. Okay, now multiply them together. Like that would be kind of. Yeah. A, I'm asking questions. What's L? What's H? Uh-huh. But they're just like plucking numbers, right? And uh-huh. they're plugging yep. them in a formula and they're not thinking about, like I've already even identified for them. It's volume. Get your chart out. Like look at your, mm-hmm. look at your formula. Um, so that could be kind of maybe a funneling pattern of questions. What would focusing look like? Um, so similar to the, the second grade problem, I might say, hey, tell me about this prism. So they might say something like, um, well, it's, I know it's three long and two tall and whatever, pick a number. Uh-huh. Um, and, and I might say, can you picture that? Like, can you picture what it, what that would look like? Um, we might sketch it. We might not. 
I might say, hey, what's going on with the base? Tell me about the base. We might say, well, it's this wide and, and this long. Oh, that's interesting. That That's the base. Okay, cool. And then what else do we know? And they might say, well, it's whatever tall. I'm like, oh, okay. So the base you said was blah, blah, blah. And how tall? Oh, okay. So I'm picturing the base and I'm, I'm using hand motions at the time and, and I'm helping them visualize what's going on. Um, and I'm like, I'm, I'm picturing some layers. Can you picture those layers? Okay, cool. So tell me about the base again. Ah, so the base is blah, blah, blah. Uh, and then the, and it's got, and I'm, I'm, I'm with my hand motions thinking about some height. Uh, the layers of the height. And I might say, what are we supposed to figure out? The area. I wonder how the base can help me find the area. Oh, you mean volume, I think. Yeah. Oh, whatever. Volume. <laughs> I think whatever, we, had the area. we had the area of the base. <laughs> the area and, of and the base. Find, and you're trying to find volume. I wonder how the area of the base <laughs> might help me. I love it. I love it. With the, with the total volume. Right. Yeah. So like I, there's a little bit of wondering aloud and a little bit of like asking them to be involved in the wondering with me and trying to you know with what they know. Yeah. And I, I love it. I wonder if even maybe earlier, I, I loved how you were envisioning. I wonder if I might've said something like, so volume, what is that? Is that like we're wrapping the box? Is that like we're filling the box? Like mm -hmm. what's happening? Yeah. What does volume yeah. mean? I might want to yep. try to get at that. And then I might ask a little bit of a higher level question. Like, well, like it's once, once we've established, you know, like we're filling it with these unit cubes. Um, is there like, we could count all those unit cubes, but like we've mm -hmm. talked, we've, we've in class, we've developed, um, more efficient ways of finding those. Like, tell me about that. Do you remember any of those? Like, are you, what mm -hmm. are you thinking about? What's a more, what's a more efficient way that we've kind of messed with. And I might yep. be able to refer back to the rich task that we did. remember when we did the, blank? Yes. Yeah. Or yes. the problem string that we did. And I might be able to like, remember when Roger was like, well, if I just found the base and then I pause, yeah. right? Yeah. Like, do you remember when Roger was talking about, if I just find the area of the base, pause. Or remember when, um, pick another, when Amaya was talking about, you know, like, well, if I know the number of, of layers I've got, how was that? Do you remember, how, was that helpful? Like I'm trying to ping on, experiences that the students had, yep. but I'm just saying just a little bit, right? We're just throwing out yep. just a, enough for them to go is, are these things? Um, uh, and then, I'm, and then we're watching, you know, like, as are, do, what, what do they mean to you? And it's like, oh yeah, I could count the number of layers. Why? Yep. How does that help you if you have the number of layers? Like what, what do we have that number here? How's that? Oh, well, cause if I had the base, then I could count how many of those and again, like sort of helping them focus on experiences they've had and things we've developed in class, not a series of questions, um, you know, where they're just sort of looking at that formula chart and we're asking them questions so they could plug stuff in. Yeah. Ho hopefully that kind of helps a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. So both of the examples that we just gave the second grade and the fifth grade might make it seem like funneling is like point to a resource. We, we talked about oh, the cubes yeah. thing. We talked about the, the, you know, the, the formula the chart, test formula but, it, chart. but mm -hmm. it's not that it's not that, you know, you go to a resource and that's funneling funneling can be point, questioning point to a list, right? It's just yeah. pointing to a list and then yep. following it. It, it. it could be that, but it's not only that. Yeah. 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 I agreed. Okay. Agreed. Yeah. It's about leading them in such a way that they can answer your questions, but they're removed enough that they aren't in the conversation. They aren't cognitively involved in what's going on and they cannot at that point go back and do it themselves. They can't, they can't think about it themselves. And, and well, that's or they could sign your funneling. Yes, exactly. They, they might be able to repeat your funnel. Um, but that what they're not doing is reasoning 
yes. through that funnel, yes. right? Like, because right. as a student, when, it, when if a teacher would funnel, uh, had a pa- pattern of questioning of funneling me, I would be, I would say to that teacher, do that again. Funnel me again. Yep. Funnel yep. me again yep. until I memorize their funnel. Yep. And then I was able to successfully repeat the funnel. So we're also not suggesting that, right? That's a funnel. Right. It's not about right. memorizing. It's not about thinking about someone else's thinking. It's about what pings for the student and helping them focus on the major relationships and what they can what they can do with those relationships. Again, we're we're pulling back on experiences we've had. It's not like I think about an Ed Sight class I had where we talked about uh, history of, of Ed, and they there was there was a, a whole philosophy of Ed that that you just let the kid wander through the garden, whatever they're interested in, and you kind of let them pursue that. It's not that. It's not like we're letting kids ramble wander aimlessly at all. You have to know the content and know the kids, know your content, know your kids. Knowing the content, I'm asking questions that help the student focus on what they know, relationships they're building, how they can use those relationships and connections for them to reason through to the answer. So maybe let's give one other quick example. I kind of feel like we've done some young ones. Can we do kind of an older one? Sure. So uh, if we're finding the slope of a line, so maybe I've given uh, students two points and I've said, find the slope of a line. So if I was looking at a, uh, a funneling pattern of questioning, it might be something like, which of those points do you want to be uh, X1, Y1? Okay, that one. Okay, good. All right. So uh, what's the formula? Okay, so where's Y2? Put, plug it in. Where's Y1? Plug it in. Where's X2? Where's X1? Okay, subtract. Subtract. Now divide. Like that, I'm I'm like, I, I'm saying, where's that? What's that? And I might even mm-hmm. at that point when they plugged them all in, I might go, okay, what do you do next? Okay, what mm-hmm. do you do next? I'm mm-hmm. asking questions, but it's this funneling. Now you might be like, well, Pam, that is how you find the slope of a line. What would it be like to reason about finding the slope of a line between two points? Well, I might say to a kid, can you picture these two points? So what do you know already? Like once you can picture them, is there something you know? Is it so? And and if they don't say anything at that point, then I might go like, is the is it increasing, decreasing? And if they don't say anything, I might go like, is the line going up? Is the line going down? Like, and, and I might I might draw on an experience that we would have had using a motion detector as time is happening. Is the line between those two points going up, or is it or is it going down? Is it increasing or decreasing? Oh, so so then you know that the slope is positive or negative. Okay, cool, great. Like I might start there, and then I might talk about uh, what do you know about slope. What like what when we've talked about rate in here, what's happening between these two points? And then I might draw on an experience we've had. So if this was a frozen yogurt experience, if this was uh, like I go to a frozen yogurt shop and the more yogurt I put in the cup, the more I pay. So as X is increasing, I'm the, the X being the number of ounces of yogurt, then the cost is increasing. Then I might go, oh, so this matches kind of a frozen yogurt. The more yogurt we buy, the more it's, it's increasing. So what's, what's happening? What do these numbers represent? And can you reason through that? And they, again, I'm not spending a ton of time regurgitating the frozen yogurt scenario. We've spent time in that scenario enough that I'm going to look at that kid. I'm going to go, does that help this student focus that these values, in fact, I could even back up and say, which of the scenarios we've been diving into, do these two points remind you of? And if it's a lot of decimals because frozen yogurt costs 30 cents an ounce, then then they might go, oh yeah, it's more like frozen yogurt. If it's a lot of bigger numbers, I'm trying to think of uh, like driving in Texas is another example, then they might go, oh yeah, it's like miles per hour because those are sort of, or, or kilometers per hour, those are bigger numbers. So we're going to draw on like, which of the major scenarios that we've been investigating does this ping for you? 
And then I'm, I'm helping that student focus on, well, what did we do there? How, what, how did we use the relationships there? Oh, can you use those relationships here? So hopefully that's a little bit of a, of an older yeah. example of yeah. helping students focus, not fall. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I think it's a different mindset, right? I, I think in general, it's a different mindset. Are you tapping on your thinking and asking a bunch of questions to get them to think about what you're thinking about? Or are you entering into conversation to understand what they're thinking about and trying to draw it out? Nicely said. Thanks for tuning in, y'all, and teaching more and more real math. To find out more about the Math is Figureoutable movement, visit mathisfigureoutable.com. Let's keep spreading the word that math is figureoutable. Thank you for listening and making math more figureoutable. To learn even more, make sure you register for our free challenge at mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. You are not going to want to miss the evenings of May 15th through 17th, starting at 7 p.m. Central. Math teaching, math teaching, go register now. That's mathisfigureoutable.com slash challenge. Join us to make math more and more figure outable. And if you can't join live, register and we'll send you access to the recordings. We'll see you there.